Kenneth Branagh revisits his childhood with great results. Today I'm talking about Belfast. This is Scott's Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about Belfast, which is uh, Kenneth Branagh's most recent movie, at least that he directed, and recently won an Oscar, I think, for Best Original Screenplay, and I think it's a very nice movie. So without further ado, let's get started. If you're familiar with Kenneth Branagh, you probably know him for one of two things. His Shakespearean work, including a word-for-word adaptation of the Scottish play, or his random forays either behind the camera or in front of the camera for blockbuster franchises, including Thor or Murder on the Orient Express. What you probably don't associate him with is understatement, which is why Belfast, Branagh's Oscar-winning latest, gently blew me over. The film follows a young man named Buddy who lives in Belfast in 1969, right as the troubles begin. Though Buddy's family is able to avoid harm thanks to being Protestant, The rising tensions in the city worry his father, who wants to take the family to England. While tensions wave and and wane in the town and in his household, Buddy tries to make sense of it all and forge a connection with a classmate. So, I'm a sucker for this kind of movie. I love slice-of-life movies that are paired with a distinctive feeling of time and place, usually direct from somebody who lived it, as Branagh did. Branagh isn't one for hyperbole in public statements, so him calling this his most personal film makes a lot of sense. Not only that, but it is so different than the rest of Branagh's filmography. Almost all of Branagh's work can be described as bombastic in some way. Either the shot selection features evocative choices like a parade of Dutch angles or sweeping takes to bring in an entire location, or Branagh himself is performing like he's doing Shakespeare in the park. And Belfast isn't like that, at least most of the time. The only time the camera gets moving is where there is action on screen, a protest or riot is happening or something is going on with Buddy's family. But when Buddy is just around his classmates or talking to his grandpa, the camera stays still. That visual intimacy not only makes the audience feel at home in those quiet and sweet moments in between the madness, but also makes the same argument Buddy's mom makes at first, that this is a lovely place with lovely people where everyone knows everybody. Of course, when that reverie is broken by upheaval or illness and beyond, and more chaotic camera work, Buddy's father's position is solidified. Not only that, but the film also lets the performances and framing explain how Buddy views the people in his life. Let's take his father, played very well by Jamie Dornan. Like a lot of young men's visions of their father, Dornan's pa feels like the biggest man in the world. It's not like he gives big speeches or does inhuman things, but the camera captures this really well. For instance, during a little barbecue downtown, we get a small shot of Pa in the center of the frame telling a joke and the whole town laughs. And we get it. We see and absorb his charisma in that moment. It's this great combination of sentimentality, violence, and restraint that gives the movie its distinctive feel. And I loved it. 8 out of 10. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.